This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Ladinsami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Serdorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable. This Thanksgiving weekend day on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., we're joined by a brave and courageous American and a principal media leader, Chris Mitchell. Chris Mitchell is a CBN News Middle East bureau chief based in Jerusalem, Israel, and for more than two decades, Chris Mitchell has been reporting about Jerusalem, Israel, and the Middle East. Colleagues have stated, and I quote, Chris Mitchell has earned a reputation as one of the world's most respected and authoritative Middle East correspondents. Chris Mitchell draws on his two decades on the ground experience to break down the world's most volatile region and explain how the mayhem unfolding in the Middle East today has global ramifications that affects all our lives, unquote. He's the author of excellent books, including ISIS, Iran and Israel, What You Need to Know About the Current Mideast Crisis and the Coming Mideast War, published in 2016. And without any further delay, welcome and good morning, Chris. Good morning, Chris. Hey, Natasha and Joel, great to be with you. And happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy happy Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving to you too. <laughs> Chris, on October 7, Iran-backed terrorist group Hamas brutally murdered 1,200 innocent civilians and kidnapped over 240 hostages that are still held captive in Gaza, and among them babies, children, and elderly. Israel launched a ground operation into Gaza on October 28 to rescue the hostages and to destroy terrorist group Hamas' military infrastructure, including 300 miles of underground tunnels. This past week, Israel agreed to a ceasefire with Iran-backed terrorist group Hamas. Uh, Chris, from the ground in Israel, can you share with us the details of this agreement? Well, the details are this. Uh, there will be 50 Israeli hostages, uh, women and children, uh, including three Americans, two American women and a three-year-old girl. Her name is Abigail, and her birthday will be one day after Thanksgiving. The way she was kidnapped is very poignant. Apparently, she was in her father's arms when Hamas terrorists murdered her father and her mother. Two siblings uh, survived by hiding in a closet for 14 hours. Abigail apparently ran over to a neighbor's house where she was kidnapped. So she actually went from a peaceful kibbutz uh, on a Saturday morning to likely, you know, a terror tunnel. Uh, what a traumatic experience for a three-year-old. Like many of the other young children and uh, elderly, you know, every age, I guess, from the 80s to almost a, uh, a child or an infant. So 50 hostages will be released in exchange for a four-day ceasefire. And uh, the ceasefire can be extended if uh, uh, one day for every 10 hostages. And so it, for many Israelis, it's a joyous time that uh, at least any of these hostages can be released. On the other hand, it's a sobering time because there's going to be nearly 200 families that still have their hostages 
uh, in captivity in, in the Gaza Strip by Hamas, by Islamic Jihad, and we believe some other groups uh, that hold these hostages, as well as, I believe, 10 other Americans and also uh, residents from about dozens of countries, I think uh, over 30 countries that are have hostages in captivity right now. So, and and the other thing, uh, Natasha and Joel, is that it actually puts the IDF at risk. Uh, so the ceasefire gives Hamas an opportunity to rearm, to regroup, to uh, perhaps lay ambushes. So it's a really conundrum for Israeli leaders to know that you're freeing certain maybe 50 hostages, but you're also putting other Israelis at risk. And it's sometimes a, a very, very difficult decision that Israeli leaders have to make now, and they have made it in the past. Uh, it's it's not an easy decision, but uh, you know we pray that the rest of the hostages could be released and Hamas could be uh, eliminated as a threat to Israel on its southern border. Israel has taken such a tragic, I mean, experienced such a tragic loss with 1,400, or actually the report was stating that 1,200 civilians were killed, including uh, military personnel. There were some 240 soldiers apparently reported by the Israeli government that were killed during that time period of October 7, 8. And now we're hearing that there's some 60 plus soldiers that have been killed as they have engaged the terrorists in Gaza and in the surrounding areas. How is the Israeli society taking this, knowing that this will be probably a long-term ground operation in Gaza? Are they, are they hopeful for victory at the end, or do they sense that this is going to be a long-term struggle uh, to be able to wipe out this Hamas terrorist group? I think they feel like it's going to be a long-term struggle, but I feel like Israelis are resolute and united that they want to eliminate uh, this threat so that October 7th can never happen again. Uh, I would say also that um, what this has done on October 7th and the, the almost 50 days since then is that uh, it has affected every Israeli uh, in the country. Uh, everybody knows somebody that was murdered or kidnapped or injured down in the Gaza Strip or they know somebody who's in the army who may be in harm's way on the front lines or involved in the fighting somehow. There's maybe 250,000 Israelis who are now uh, evacuees. They left either the southern border or the northern border uh, by mandatory evacuation or voluntary evacuation, knowing it was just too dangerous. Uh, you know, it's ironic that you know, on October 6th here in Jerusalem, most of the hotels in here and around the country were full. It was projected to be one of the busiest months in Israel's history for tourism. And October 7th, that just changed dramatically. And now the hotels are filled with evacuees. The tourists have gone. So it, it really has um, affected and deeply touched all of Israeli society. Mm -hmm. mm, right. And Chris, in mid-June this year, 2023, on America's Roundtable Radio, you shared about actually the Israel Defense Forces drill called the Firm Hand for a potential multi-front war against Iran's proxies, Hamas and Islamic Jihad in Gaza, Hezbollah in Lebanon and Houthis in Yemen, and also aware that Iran has also been backing militias in Syria and Iraq. So Israel was preparing for the multi-front war in June, anticipating exactly what is happening on the ground now. 
Uh, Chris, can you share with us any views that you are hearing on the ground? What happened? How could had Israeli been surprised by Hamas's attack on October 7? Well, you know, some people say this is uh, the greatest intelligence failure since the Yom Kippur War, almost ironically, 50 years to the day. There have been reports recently that many of the uh, IDF soldiers' surveillance uh, on surveillance cameras on the border were warning, and many of these are young uh, IDF soldiers, young female soldiers, and they monitor these screens 24-7 uh, for any movements. And uh, many of them apparently had been warning that Hamas was preparing for this just this kind of attack, but those warnings uh, were ignored. Um, there will be an inquiry after the war is over, and a lot of people will be having to reply and, and explain what, what happened, just like Golda Meir did, Israel's prime minister during the Yom Kippur War. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said he will... He will face those questions as well, uh, as well as I'm sure the IDF and Mossad and the Shin Bet. Uh, you know, how could this have happened? But to your question, and Natasha, as well, you know, you do have this ring of fire that Iran has uh, put in place in the Middle East with Hezbollah in Lebanon, the Iranian, the Iraqi and Syrian militias inside Iraq and Syria, the Houthis, uh, Hamas on the southern border. And it's all part of Iran's master plan to eradicate the Jewish people and destroy the Jewish state. Uh, so that's exactly what we're seeing. And the big question for now, for many people, is what will happen uh, after the war or even during this war with Hamas? Will um, Hezbollah enter in a major way? There has been fighting up on the northern border more than any time since the 2006 Second Lebanon War. And yet it's not necessarily at that sort of the tipping point or the crossing these red lines that uh, Israel and Hezbollah seem to have in place. You know, you can only go so far, but if it if that's a, that's the potential uh, flashpoint that really could make it a regional war. Chris, in your excellent book, ISIS, Iran and Israel, what you need to know about the current Mideast crisis and the coming Mideast war, you shared with readers about the threat at that time, ISIS, a most vicious terrorist group of modern times, which was then sweeping the region. And the barbaric images of ISIS beheading foreigners and those from within the Middle East actually sparked terrorist attacks across Europe as well. And uh, in fact, as we look at what's happening today, uh, we are sensing that Iran is actually more emboldened than ever, uh, funding, as you've mentioned, Hezbollah and the militias in Iraq and Syria. Um, Chris, are we witnessing an emboldened Iran using its proxies, not only attacking Israel, but intensifying its attacks in Syria and Iraq, whereby over 66 attacks have targeted American-affiliated bases in Iraq and Syria since October 17? And is America's response, these pinprick strikes, deterring Iran, the known state sponsor of terrorism? Yeah, in terms of the uh, the U.S. bases being under attack, I, I think the U.S. response, I, I would say from this perspective in the Middle East, have not been strong enough to deter Iran. I think here in the Middle East, strength matters. And to if you want to have deterrence, you need to respond uh, forcefully and strongly. And it feels like the U.S. is not doing that right now. Uh, they do have a, a robust military presence in the region. 
And in the minds of many, that is a deterrent in itself, perhaps for Hezbollah getting into a, uh, you know, a major war right now. And, and I would just add the, um, for Iran, it's, it's part of their theology and eschatology. They believe that they are chosen by God, by Allah to have hegemony here in the Middle East, as well as a global ambition to put all of uh, the world under the sway of Islam. That's their thinking, their their beliefs. And I, I think people in the West need to understand that they don't see this as the end. They, they don't see Gaza as the end or Hezbollah in Lebanon uh, or Israel as the end. They, they want to go after not only the little Satan, Israel, but the great Satan, uh, America. And I, I think, and this is something I've been hearing, Joel and Natasha, from people and experts don't think that it's going to stay here. And I think America needs to be prepared. People need to be praying for the protection over America uh, because we have had an open border for the last couple of years. And we just don't know how many Hamas operatives uh, may be in the country. And God forbid there would be any sort of major terror attacks. That's why People are warning what's happening here could come to the U.S. and why many intercessors are praying that uh, or in alerting others that we need to be praying for the protection of the United States. Mm, right. And Chris, uh, since Joe Biden became president, uh, we have endured failed Biden's administration foreign policies, uh, starting with Afghanistan. So 13 American service members were killed and 15 wounded in a chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan when over $7 billion in U.S.-funded military equipment ended up in the hands of Taliban. Then Russia's Putin invaded Ukraine. China escalated its threats towards Taiwan. NATO member Turkey established an alliance with Russia. And now Iran-Hamas got a emboldened to attack Israel. Uh, Chris, how do we restore America's leadership and the policy of peace through strength that was practiced by President Ronald Reagan and President Donald Trump? Well, you know, uh, that question was asked of a former U.S. ambassador to Israel, David Friedman. And he said, uh, the thing that will change that will be a new election. I don't think necessarily that the Biden administration will change its direction or policy in the next um, little over uh, 14 months, I guess, to January 2025. Um, so hopefully we can pray that that any of this appeasement that seems to embolden our enemies, whether they be the Taliban or Iran or, or Russia or China, uh, would be restrained during this time. Now, God forbid China will invade Taiwan, or, uh, but, but it's, it seems like the policy here in the Middle East has been uh, one to appease Iran uh, they've given $6 billion for five American hostages. It's great to see the hostages released, but $6 billion for Iran is a lot of money that can go towards its terror uh, ambitions. And the same thing with just uh, le uh, lifting sanctions over Iraqi oil that would give $10 billion to Iran. Uh, it seems to fuel what's going on here in the Middle East and it's uh, lighting more fires. And for our listeners, we encourage you to consider viewing CBN News, the Jerusalem Dateline on cable or via YouTube. Check out the social media sites as well on the Jerusalem Dateline and CBN News for up-to-date information on what is happening in Israel and in the region and how it impacts us here in America. Chris, this weekend, 
Families are going to be gathering around the Thanksgiving dinner table. We're going to have individuals going to their synagogues and churches. Mm. What should we do as people of faith, a community of faith, in keeping Israel in our prayers? Uh, would you be able to suggest what we can do in a positive way right here from the United States? Yeah, we'll certainly pray for your Jewish friends and neighbors you know, for their protection. I've never heard from uh, my Jewish friends or people that we've interviewed how um, shaken they are after October 7th and the rise of anti-Semitism in the United States and around the world, for that matter. Um, and one thing practically you could do is is pray for certain, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, pray for protection for Israel. Uh, but also, as, as our friend Bishop Robert Stern said, uh, at the very beginning of this is if you know a Jewish friend or neighbor, call them up and encourage them. Say you're praying for them or you're standing with them. Call your local synagogue and, and give them, you know, some encouraging words. Uh, I think that would go a long way to uh, showing our Jewish brothers and sisters that we're standing with them. You know, recently when the um, we had this huge rally on the Washington Mall uh, with such an encouragement, the largest, I guess, Jew pro-Jewish rally in american history uh that went a long way but personally and uh you know one-on-one -on -one encouragement would i think be a real blessing this thanksgiving uh holiday and also to learn more about the situation it's uh it's it's a very volatile sometimes confusing situation there's lots of uh shouting and there's lots of slogans but uh be informed about what's happening and uh and just know what uh, Israel's facing and, and remember what why they're fighting a war right now. It's because of this horrible massacre, the worst since the Holocaust on October 7th. This weekend on America's Roundtable Radio from Washington, D.C., we're joined by Chris Mitchell, who is the CBN News Middle East Bureau Chief based in Jerusalem, Israel. Thank you, Chris, for your time, and we certainly keep are keeping you and the team members in our prayers. God bless. Thank you so much, Chris. God bless. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Happy All Thanksgiving. Right. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Adansami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Sardorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at americasrt. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Music